Welcome to Gateway Church Cymru, church where anyone can be transformed by the story of Jesus. Wherever you find yourself, we pray that you would be encouraged today by God's Word. Good morning, everyone. It really is a joy to be with you this morning. You're so blessed to be in the second service because the speaker in the last one was terrible. Oh, dreadful. But it really is a joy. What a beautiful name it is, the name of Jesus. Uh, it's just great to share with you. Our church is still isn't back at the moment because we still have problems with our boiler and all of this. And So it's great to be in church this morning with people <laughs> and just to experience that and minister together and to see you all as well. And thank you, Luke, for opening up the pulpit to me and just inviting me to come. It's always a privilege. And I'm thankful for Luke and his friendship as well. He's been such an encouragement and a blessing to me of this past year and as we've shared together and encouraged together. You have a great pastor, amen? You really do have a great pastor. Appreciate what you've got and encourage him and support him and bless him. He's mature beyond his years and God has just anointed him and called him for this season and for what God is doing. And so follow him faithfully and allow him to lead you. I want to jump straight into the word of God this morning because I know time is limited and we try to keep the services to a certain amount of time. I want to talk to you this morning about defiant faith. I think if there's anything that we need at this time and in this season that we're in, it's defiant faith. That ability to say, you know what, no matter what's going on around me, what's going on um, in my life and in my circumstances, God is still good. God is still faithful. He has a plan. He has a purpose. And I'm going to press in. This is not a time to shrink back, to pull back. Someone said to me, when you take a knock back, don't take a step back because God is looking for a comeback. I believe that. I believe that's what defiant faith is all about this morning. And when you look through the Bible, you see great men and women of God who have rose up in a season and a time with defiant faith. And you look at people like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who are standing before Nebuchadnezzar, and he's stoking up the fiery furnace. He's getting it ready. And he says, you've got a choice. You either bow down or you die. And they, they say to him, they say, God will rescue us. But even if he doesn't, I will not worship your gods. I will not bow to this statue, this defiant faith. Job says, even though you slay me, yet will I praise you. David, in his famous psalm, Psalm 23, says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will not, I will fear no evil. I will not give in to the anxiety and the fear that surrounds me. All this is the language of relentless, defiant, determined faith that rose up in the people of God in a season that was difficult, dark, painful, where they were suffering, but something within them rose up and said, you know what? God is in this. God is with me. I can get through this. God will keep me and sustain me. And I believe that's what God needs to say to us in this season that we're in. It's unprecedented. We've never faced a season like this. We're making history. But God saw it coming. It took us by surprise, but God knew. And his plans and purposes will not be delayed. They will not be hindered. God will have his way. Because he is sovereign over all. And so this morning, I want to look at that and encourage you. Some people need a facelift. Other people need a faith lift. Amen. I'm not looking at anyone. Just saying. That was a bad joke. I didn't use that in the last one. Last one. But I want to give you a faith lift this morning. So turn to Habakkuk chapter 3. It's going to come up on the screen. 
And we're going to look at this unusual book and this unusual prophet. And in chapter 3, verses 17 to 19, it says this, Even though the fig trees have no blossoms, and there are no grapes on the vines, even though the olive crop fails, and the fields lie empty and barren, even though the flocks die in the fields and the cattle barns are empty, yet I will, is that word, I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in the God of my salvation, because the sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes me as sure-footed as a deer, able to tread upon the heights. This is the language of defiant faith, even though there is no food, no wine, no oil, no provision, even though the cattle die and the fields don't produce and there's no harvest. How many of you know that was life and death in those days? They didn't have Asda's or Tesco's or Sainsbury's or Waitrose if you're posh. Um, but they didn't have any of that. This was life or death. But yet Habakkuk the prophet stood there and said, even though all these things may fail, yet I will praise him. I will rejoice in the God of my salvation. And so I want to look at this prophet. He's unusual because usually prophets bring the word of God to men. Whereas Habakkuk is different. He brings the word of man to God. Because chapter 1 starts with a complaint. He has a complaint about what's going on. He says to God, he says, I'm crying out to you. I'm, I'm calling for help because of the wickedness and corruption I see around me. Israel had rebelled against God and sinned. The priests were corrupt. All the leaders were corrupt. And, and Abacab is looking and he's saying, but God doesn't seem to be doing anything about it. He seems to be tolerating this. And so he goes to God with that complaint and says, Lord, why aren't you dealing with this? Why aren't you answering my prayers? Why aren't you helping us? And I often say to our church, it's okay to come to God with our complaints. It's okay to sometimes be angry with God. Psalm 62 says, pour out your heart before the Lord. God respects honesty. He knows what's going on inside you. He knows your motives and intentions. And the secrets of your heart. And so be honest with God. Bring it to God. And Habakkuk was wise because he did. He didn't take it to anyone and everyone. He took it to the person who could make a difference. And that's what we have to learn as a church. That sometimes we complain, but we complain to the wrong people. And we don't complain to see something change. We complain just to be heard. And we want to gather people around us and have a pity party and feel sorry for ourselves. And we just want to moan and groan and complain. Like Israel of old, they, no matter what God done for them, they complained. When he provided in the wilderness, they complained they didn't have meat. When he provided meat, they complained that they wanted to go back to Egypt. Even though the best was yet to come, they, they still had this mentality. And we have to change that. We have to have this mentality that says, you know what? I'm not going to be a complainer in that sense. I'm going to go to the Lord. If I've got problems, if I don't understand something, if I'm angry, I'm going to lay it before his throne. Because his throne is a throne of grace where I can pour my heart out and see what God does. And then in chapter 2, it says this. It says that he waited to see what the Lord would do. He climbed up to his watchtower. He expressed his concern and then he expected a response. He waited on the Lord to see what God would say about his complaint. And I want to encourage you in your times of prayer to press into God. Share your heart. Be honest with God. Pour out your heart during this time but also to learn to wait, to not rush away, for God to be able to speak to you. You may be surprised by the voice of God if you just hang around long enough. And there are times to speak up, but there are also times to shut up. And there are times where we have to be quiet and be still and know that he is God. I think prayer is just a one-way conversation sometimes of us listing our requests to God 
And sometimes God says, if you just be still. If you just let me get a word in edgeways. Anyone know people like that? I, I've got family members and aunties. and I, I, You know that when you talk to them, it's going to be a one-way conversation. And sometimes God says, if you just let me speak. And if you wait and have patience. And that's the hardest thing sometimes, the waiting in, the waiting on God, allowing God to speak to you. Patience is not only the ability to wait, but it's the ability to wait with the right attitude. I say to my daughter all the time, wait well, sweetheart, wait well. Because she wants something and she wants it now. And if she doesn't have it now, she has a tantrum. And I just say to her, no, 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 sweetheart, you will have it, but you won't have it now. You want chocolate? You can have it after dinner. And she, I say, wait well, or you won't have it at all. And we do this. And then, and then sometimes I feel God saying, yeah, you're a fine one to talk. You know what it's like to be a father now, didn't you? Wait well. And I, and I preached on this in our church about the ability to wait with the right attitude. Because you can wait for God and wait for things, but you can still have a bad attitude in doing it. Even though you're waiting, you're making everyone know you're not happy about waiting. You know what I mean? Like when you stand in line in Asda's and you're moaning and groaning because the person in front of you is taking forever to find the money. Then they decide to pay by card and the card doesn't work. <laughs> All of this, you know, we do that and we, you've got to wait anyway, so you may as well wait well. But we, we find that so difficult. And so I, I was sharing this with our church and then straight afterwards we went out for lunch. And we went to a restaurant in those days where you could go out together and be normal and do things. And uh, we were sitting there and we'd ordered our food and it, take, it seemed to take a long time to come. And so I started to complain. What do they call it? Hungry, is it? I become hungry. So, so you know, and I, and I started to complain. And my, my worship leader was there, Stacy, and she turned to me and she said, Dale, patience is the ability to wait, but to wait with the right attitude, isn't it? And she, didn't you love it when they quote your messages back at you, Luke? Isn't that good when they remind you of what you say? Someone said, these are easier to preach than live. And they are, these messages are. And so she reminded me of that. And it's so difficult sometimes to wait well. But God help us. Habakkuk waited well. He waited patiently for the Lord. And the Lord answered him. And in chapter 2, God speaks to him and says, write this answer down. Make it plain so that those who hear, hear it can run with it. We know that passage very well. We preach on it when it comes to vision. But he tells him it's not yet ready to come to pass. The message is to come for a future time. It may seem like a long time. And sometimes in the plans and purposes of God, when we're praying and waiting and expecting for God to do things, sometimes it can seem like a long time. Someone said this, it takes, a, it takes God a long time to do something suddenly. Think about that for a while. But it takes God a long time to do something suddenly. And God is working his purposes out. And he will work according to his timetable, not according to our impatience. And he will do what he wants, not what we tell him to do. Have we ever prayed and you tell God what, what you need and then tell him how we should do it? We've all done it. We give God advice as if he, he needs it. But that ability to just wait and, and God comes to him and he answers his, his prayer. And he says, I will respond. But you're going to have to have faith. You're going to have to have patience. And you're going to have to wait. It's not going to be delayed. It surely will come to pass. You're going to have to trust me. And so in verse 4 of chapter 2, he says, the just shall live by faith. And he's not just talking about salvation by faith. He's talking about everyday life, of working that out in your life, of trusting God with the big things and the small things of everyday life. 
And we have to be those people in this season that we are in. It's strange, it's weird, it's unusual, it's not normal. But we can still trust God with it. We can have the defiant faith, the, the, the courageous faith to say, you know what, God knows. God knows in this situation. And then chapter 3. Chapter 3 to me is the the, 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 the change that takes place, the, the kind of fork in the road where everything seems to change for Habakkuk. In chapter 1, he's complaining. He has these doubts and fears and concerns and he, he's wrestling with all of this stuff that he doesn't understand why God isn't responding and doing something. And then in chapter 3, he's rejoicing. He goes from complaining to celebrating. I'll rejoice in God. My Savior, I'll have joy again. I'll celebrate. And it, it suddenly his whole demeanor changes and he's going from being kind of pessimistic to positive, from being concerned to suddenly being a person of celebration and rejoicing. And I, I asked myself, what happened in between? What made Habakkuk? The circumstances hadn't changed. The situation hadn't changed. There were still dark times. Israel still had rebelled against God. Corruption and wickedness was everywhere. But suddenly something had changed within Habakkuk. Something had changed within this prophet's heart and life. And chapter 3 reveals to us what it was. He says in verse 2, he says, You have heard, I have heard all about you, Lord. I am filled with awe by your amazing works. In this time of our deep need, help us again, as you did in years gone by. And so he talks about, he says, I've heard about this. I've heard about Moses and Abraham. I've heard how you've led us through the wilderness and into the promised land. I know what you can do. I've heard it. But as I often find in the Christian life, hearing it isn't enough. We hear sermons and, and Bible studies and preaching on all of this all of the time. We hear God's word and faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. But there is something else that is required of us as well that we need to encounter for, for our faith to rise up and for us to be able to celebrate even in the most difficult of circumstances. So in verse 2 he says, I hear. But then in verse 3 he says, I see God move it. So he changes from objective to subjective. He goes from just hearing about what God could do to seeing what God is going to do. And suddenly God, he sees God moving. He says, I see him moving across the deserts of Edom. The Holy One coming from Mount Parana. His brilliant splendor fills the heavens and the earth is filled with his praise. His coming is as brilliant as the sunrise. Rays of light flash from his hands where his awesome power is hidden. I see. And I want to ask you the question this morning. What do you see? In this season, in this time that we're in, what do you see? Because some people only see COVID-19. Some people only see problems. Some people only see the darkness and the difficulties and the trials and the suffering. But we as the people of God, do we see more than that? In the COVID, do we see Christ? In the problems, do we see the promises? When we see the earth filled with all that's going on, do we look to heaven and see the promises? and the resources and the power of God. Do we see God moving at this time? He was exposed to divine activity. And God wants to expose us. Because I, I can tell you something this morning. We may be in the midst of a pandemic, but God is still alive. He's still at work. He's still moving. His church is still well. The buildings may be shut, but the church is still going well and strong. God is still blessing us. He's still with us. He's still moving. But God, open our eyes that we may see, like Elisha prayed for his servant, open his eyes that he may see that there's more for us than against us. Your focus will determine your faith. 
your faith will determine your hope, and your hope will determine your praise. The reason you may not be able to worship this morning is not because we haven't got a band up here, we haven't got all the instruments and the music and the atmosphere. It's because perhaps our focus is wrong. Perhaps your lack of worship is because you've lost your sense of wonder of who God is and what he can do. You can't worship from someone else's wonder. You've got to worship out of your own experience. We can tell people what God is like, but they have to experience that, taste and see that the Lord is good. I've heard about you, Lord, but now I see that you are moving. And God is moving. The Holy Spirit is not restricted by our circumstances, by our situation. God is not socially distancing from anyone. He's as close to us as he's ever been. But are we as close to him as we've ever been? Who's moved? Because God hasn't. God is with us and God is blessing us and God is keeping us and sustaining us. But do we see it? Where is your focus this morning? So easy to buy into the pessimism and the negativity that surrounds us when you talk to people about what's going on. And it's easy to be so discouraged and to buy into that. You know, you're talking and they say, oh, it's, the days seem so dark. I'm talking about Christian people, I'm talking about the church. You know, the days are so dark. And I say, yeah, but what an opportunity to be light. What an opportunity. You can either curse the darkness or you can light up the darkness. You can either become like everybody else and buy into the negativity and the pessimism, or you can see an opportunity. Instead of seeing this COVID as an obstacle, see it as an opportunity for God to move and do something in our communities and in our lives. We can choose our response. We can choose our attitude. I can't control my circumstances, but I can control my response to them and what I'm going to be. And God is raising up men and women with defiant faith because light is attractive. Even a lit match, a single lit match, can be seen up a mile high in the sky. That's why in World War II they had blackouts because light attracted the attention of the enemy and they didn't want to know where strategic places were and cities and towns, so they would put them into blackout, because light can be seen from a distance. What a time to be light. The days are dark. The Bible told us this was going to happen. Things will get worse. But he also told us to be the light of the world, the salt of the earth. Salt in his shaker is no good. Salt out of the shaker makes a difference. We're not the light of the church, we're the light of the world. Don't keep it covered. Don't put it under a basket. But let it shine. What an opportunity to do that. And so let's switch this negativity. Let's switch this pessimism. Let's become like Habakkuk. And yes, we have to come to God with our complaints and our struggles and our concerns. Let's be honest about those things. Let's not suppress them. That does no one any good. Let's pour out our hearts. But let's come to that place where we see that God is greater than my circumstances. Our faith is greater than our fear. His promises are greater than our problem. May God open our eyes so that we see because Habakkuk complained, God, you don't seem to be doing anything. God says, actually, I am going to deal with Israel. I'm going to deal with the sin. And he told him what he was going to do about bringing Babylon in to, to punish them and judge them. And Habakkuk didn't like that either. How many of you know when you pray, sometimes you don't always like the answer you get? And you have to, maturity says, okay, I'll accept that. And so he didn't like that. So he took it back to God and says, well, the Babylonians are worse than us. And God says, don't worry. It's only going to be for a time, but I'm going to rescue you, I'm going to restore you, I'm going to revive you, and I'm going to give you hope for the future. And it was in that situation, 
And in that circumstance, that Habakkuk says, I will rejoice in the God of my salvation. He's going to rescue us and restore us, even though the fields are bare, even though the cattle are dying, even though there's no provision and things are going from bad to worse. I will rejoice because I've seen now that God is at work. There is divine activity. He's doing more behind my back than in front of my face. God is sovereign. And I want to encourage you this morning. I want you to know that defying faith. It says, even though I will, even though I will rejoice, I will celebrate, I will fear no evil, I will not give in to the negativity, I will trust in God. I will trust in his plans and his purposes. I will. You have to make that choice this morning for yourself, each and every one of you. You have to choose to do that. So easy to default to becoming like everyone else, to go in with a flow and just blend in, but to be light, be light in this day and generation. If you would ask me this morning, what is God saying to the church at this time? I believe it would be Habakkuk 2.14, and it's going to come up on the screen for you. I believe this was a prophetic word. I was reading Habakkuk this week. Um, one morning, I was just going through the, uh, the book of Habakkuk, just for my own studies and for my own uh, reflection. And just God dropped this into my spirit. For as the waters fill the sea, the earth will be filled with an awareness of the glory of the Lord. And I just felt God saying, Dale, that's a word for now. And I put it on every social media platform I could find. I sent it to our AOG leaders. I sent it to our pastors for journals, for Luke Goodara. I sent it to my church. And I said, guys, be encouraged. This is a prophetic word, I feel, for this time. Because everybody is talking about the pandemic covering the earth. But the glory of the Lord is going to cover the earth. There is an awareness. I believe there is an awakening coming. Even during this time, God is awakening people to the reality of his presence and who he is. People are realizing that they're mortal, that they need more than this world can provide, that the government's not going to answer it. The economy's not going to support them. Things are around them that they have trusted in are suddenly taken away. And everything is shaken and they're looking for an answer and we're pointing them to Christ. What an opportunity, folks. Because everything is being shaken. The kingdom that we belong to cannot be shaken. It cannot. And if this wasn't a COVID time, you would be shouting amen, I hope. And he'd be saying, praise God, because that is it. We are clinging to Christ, our eternal hope, where everything is shaken. God is steadfast and firm. In uncertain times, we have a certain hope. In times when everything seems changing, God is still the same. Yesterday, today, and forevermore. God is with us. And so I believe there is an awakening coming. How many of you know you shake people to wake them sometimes? You shake them to wake up. And God is doing that. I think he's using this, perhaps pandemic, to awaken people and shake people to the reality that they need a saviour, that they need to turn to someone more than themselves and this world can offer. And they need to find hope and faith. May the glory of the Lord fill the earth. That's where my focus is. I'm tired of talking about the pandemic. I'm tired of talking about what's going on all around us and worrying about the economy and the future and jobs and finances. I'm worried and stressing about uh, the tithes and the offerings and the church and the bills and all of this. God is good. God is faithful. God's glory is going to fill the earth. I want to encourage you this morning to be like Habakkuk. His name means wrestler or embracer. And when you read his book, you realize he's wrestling with his fears and his doubts and his problems and the concerns that he has. But what he does is he embraces God in them. 
He takes them to the one who can do the impossible. And I want to encourage you to wrestle with these things, to be honest about these things, because we all do. We all wrestle with our doubts and fears, but to take them to the one and embrace the one who can transform and change any situation. Because before your situation around you changes, God has to change something in you. My word to our church in Commandment all the time is this, before God does something through you, allow him to do something in you. Because you don't want your gifting to take you where your character cannot keep you. That's the worst thing that can happen. I've seen it over and over again. People who are gifted have been taken where their character cannot keep them, and it's carnage. They just leave devastation behind them because they're all gifted and no character. And the pressure and the capacity that they needed to do what God had called them to wasn't there because they weren't allowing God to work in them before he worked through them. They just rushed off. Sometimes that's why God says, wait. Wait. I need to prepare you. What did he say to his disciples before he left for heaven? Jesus, wait in Jerusalem until you receive the Holy Spirit. Wait first. Be empowered. Receive what you need, then go. And sometimes we have to wait and be willing to do that. But I want to encourage you to have defiant faith. You're going to need it. Days are dark, but we are light. Days are bad, but God is good. There are problems, but we also have great promises. Yeah? There are things coming against us, but God's grace is sufficient for us at this time. Your focus will determine your faith. Your faith will determine your hope. And your hope will determine your praise. We have something to celebrate this morning. I don't celebrate the suffering, but I celebrate the God who is with me in the suffering. I, I have something to sing and smile and rejoice about, even though everything around me is hard and difficult. And I can tell you my problems, and you can tell me yours, and we can talk about all that's gone wrong this year. But this morning we have something that is very right, and very good, and God is with us. And he is causing us to have joy again because we're shifting our focus onto our eternal hope. So look to heaven this morning. Look to heaven. Heaven is moving. It's invading earth. It's doing great things. God is at work. He's not socially distancing. He's not abandoned us. He is with us. Cling to Christ. More than ever, cling to Christ and be light because God is awakening and making people aware of who he is. And he's going to do that through me, and he's going to do that through you. This is the time for the church to stand up. Not to sit down, not to shrink back or pull back, but to stand up and show people the glory of God, how great and awesome and wonderful he is. This is the time for them to see that greater is he that is within us than he that is within the world. Let's not see obstacles, let's see opportunities for the glory of God. Thanks again for listening to this podcast. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe. And check out our podcast channel for past episodes. For more content from Gateway and to connect with us, go to gatewaychurchcumry.co.uk. Have a great day.